iPad worked. So, welcome to Draftytopia, guys. Chris Ransom, Wes Langley. Here we are going to break down some of these games. I gave you my insight on the uh, Cowboys Buccaneers game already. Um, I have the Bucks winning thirty-eight seventeen. I mentioned the playmakers: Evans, Godwin, Gronkowski. And how Dallas has deficiencies at defensive tackle, safety, and with Zach Martin out, that's another thing that works against them. So I have them winning 38-17. I think that's similar to your 38-24 score that you had the Buccaneers winning by two touchdowns. And eight of our nine panelists have the Buccaneers beating Dallas at this point. That's subject to change once Oren sends me his picks, but everyone else on our staff has messaged me their predictions for week one with one person so everyone else has taken Tampa and I'm guessing you're in the majority as well. Uh, yes, Chris, I am. Uh, I think that, uh, Tampa's going to win big. Uh, I had them win 42 to 21 basically because the Cowboys passed defense. They're suspect. I mean, they, they did get better with their pass rush and they got Micaiah Parsons, which is really a really great player, a future pro bowl player. Yeah. But uh, it still doesn't fix their problems on in their secondary. I like the corner they took in the second round out of Kentucky, but the problem is he's not starting right away next to Trevon Diggs. So they still they're going to have a number two corner deficiency. They're going to have deficiencies at safety. They're going to have deficiencies at defensive tackle. I think the linebacker position with um, Jalen Smith, Leighton Vander Esch, and Micah Parsons is probably the strong suit of that defense. I would say. You could arguably say that could be the three best linebacker core in the NFL, arguably. Yeah, you could definitively make that argument when all three of those guys are healthy. That is the best linebacking core in the league. And the other issue I had was Dak hasn't played in, I think, over a year. Yeah, he hasn't played since October when he suffered the season-ending injury against the Giants. Yeah, and the issue with that is uh, can't basically not being out there with his teammates. Uh, I know that he had a shoulder problem uh, before the preseason started, and that they kept him out for just for safety. Yep. Uh, but uh, the, them reps like that is uh, could have been important for him, and uh, could have gained a little bit of chemistry. But uh, we're going to see how the rest is there, and. It's going to be interesting to see how he does in week one against a, a really good uh, Bucks team. Yeah, because Dallas, assuming Dak plays, you have Tyron Smith at left tackle. He might be able to protect Dak's blind side, even with the 11 starters back. But look at the Cowboys receivers against uh, Tampa's corners. I mean, outside of the left tackle and maybe the receivers, I don't really see any matchup advantages i would argue devin white and that run defense can stop ezekiel elliott and limit what he does on the ground i think we're probably going to see 78 rushing yards zero touchdowns by elliott in this game maybe he has one but tampa bay's defense for the most part i expect them to keep elliott to under 100 yards it's a good run defense yeah they're one of the better run defenses in the nfl i i expect them to go under 100 yards he might get one touchdown but uh, i don't expect a impact of uh 100 plus yards and stuff like that but uh they're gonna have to be balanced if, if they're wanting to beat Tampa Bay I agree and I've got the notes loaded on my phone and I've got the recording on the iPad that seems to be the more effective strategy second game on my list was Eagles and Falcons um 
Do you have another game ahead of that on your list in your notes? Because I can go by your order instead. If I, I do, but I, I can go by that order. It's my fourth game, but we can go by the Eagles. That's one of the most intriguing games of week one. Yeah, it is. I mean, Jalen Hurts is not going to have Andre Dillard at left tackle. Dillard failed to beat out the backup for the starting left tackle job this year after being Philadelphia's 2019 first-round pick. Luckily, Hurst faces one of the worst defenses in the league. Even though left tackle and left guard are question marks, the right side of Philly's offensive line's at full health, with Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson back for the first time since 2019. They've got Ridley, Hayden Hurst, and Kyle Pitts to throw to. He also has Matthews and McGarry at offensive tackle, Lidstrom at right guard. Matt Hennessy, he did well at the Senior Bowl, but he doesn't have any experience as an NFL starter, despite his promising career at Temple. And left guard's another issue. So I do think Philly has a chance. If Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave can get pressure on that interior offensive line, they can limit what Mike Davis does in the running game. They can limit what Matt Ryan does. Obviously, I feel like running to the outside is more effective than running up the middle when you consider the defensive tackles Philadelphia has along with the I mean, the defensive tackle Atlanta has along with the middle linebacker and Deion Jones. But Philadelphia's got a decent linebacker and TJ Edwards. But the linebackers and the corners, I feel like there are some weak points on this defense that Matt Ryan can exploit. And that's the reason I have the Falcons prevailing 31-24. to uh, Yeah, the only issue I have with Atlanta is they have, uh, what, three starters out on the offensive line? Well, I Mike, think they Mike have – they cut Willie Beavers, so they have Caleb McGarry. I haven't checked the injury report for Atlanta, but I'm happy to do that once it's out there. Yeah, it's just a lot of inexperience. I think Jalen Mayfield may start at left guard, though. Okay. That's what I uh, was hearing about that. But uh, Jalen Mayfield, he he's a really good player. He played at Michigan. He was really consistent. But uh, like you said, with Hennessy – just not a lot of experience. Yeah, Hennis Mayfield played right tackle at Michigan. He beat out um, James Hurst, the guy who transferred to Cincinnati, who got drafted by the Browns for the right tackle job, and he's been fairly uh, competent. So we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah, and uh, that may affect the running game too with Mike Davis. Um how effective is that going to be? And if they're one-dimensional, that may change the game. Yeah, but I feel pretty confident that both offenses will get strong play from the quarterback, even though I feel like there are some areas both teams need to improve in in order to be contenders down the road. I feel like Atlanta should do enough to win this game. Yeah, and the the key matchup that I have is going to be uh, – Kyle Pitts on the linebackers and uh, Darius Slay versus uh, Calvin Ridley. That's going to be a really good matchup to watch. Yeah. Slay versus Ridley will be fun. I think whoever ends up being Atlanta's number two receiver should have some success against Steven Nelson. Uh, But, yeah, Philly's got a lot of depth at receiver. Quez Watkins, Devonta Smith, Jalen Rigor, weapons that they can use to pick apart the corners outside of A.J. Terrell. So that's why I think this is going to be a high-scoring game from both teams. And and from what I read is is uh, the, the Falcons, they're going to 
be moving Kyle Pitts around uh, like the like the Patriots did Gronkowski. They put him on the outside, put him in the slot. I think that that's going to be a, a matchup nightmare for any, any defense. I could even see them putting him as a third offensive tackle in one play, like the Patriots used to do with Gronkowski. Yep. And I'm not sure how effective of a blocker he is. I know that he's a dynamic playmaker with the ball in his hands, but that that can definitely be a work in progress. Yep. Steelers play the Bills. Um, that's the third game on my list. Um, yeah. We don't know what's going to happen with T.J. Watt, but I think this is the only lock for week one. Like, we expanded from five to nine people, and then we have Wes on the podcast as well. So the only lock, I think, for week one was the Bills over the Steelers. And Buffalo's got every starter from their AFC championship team back, along with Cody Ford, who was on IR midseason before he came into the lineup. And you're getting the Bills at full health. Josh Allen's got a confident blindside in Deion Dawkins. There's also talks that T.J. Ford may sit, T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt may sit this game out because of his contract. And if T.J. Watt is sitting out, I have the Bills currently winning 27-16, to 16, but if Watt sits this game out, I'm probably going to spot Buffalo another touchdown and give them a 18-point uh, victory instead of an 11-point victory. And I'm guessing the point spread would jump from 6.5 to at least 9 or 10 if T.J. Watt is ruled out for this game. Yeah, um, without T.J. Watt, uh, I just don't think they're going to be able to get enough pass rush. And uh, it's going to be uh, at least 10-plus 10, 10 points, at least, on the board. And uh, Josh Allen could take the next step than he did last year and become the MVP of the league. That's actually who I have picked for the MVP. Yeah, Josh Allen's a good, ideal candidate to win the MVP award. You have Stephon Diggs. You have Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis. They The Bills just have so much depth at receiver. Dawson Knox is the tight end. Um, he, I, don't, I think Pittsburgh can match up, neutralize Dawson with Minka Fitzpatrick and Edmonds. But I just feel Buffalo's depth at receiver just may be superior to Pittsburgh's depth at corner this year especially considering outside of Joe Hayden and Cameron Sutton, they really So I think that works in Buffalo's favor entirely as far as the passing game goes. And if Watts ruled out, they're not really going to have to worry about as much because if T.J. Watt is playing, you have Watt, Melvin Ingram, and then the interior rushers and Hayward and Tui on the defensive line. But if Watt doesn't play... I think Allen can take his time, and he'll be able to pick apart this secondary easily. So, But I have Buffalo winning 27-16. to 16. I do think Pittsburgh will get a couple of field goals in the first half, and they'll find a way to keep this game close. If Pittsburgh didn't lose so many offensive linemen with Pouncey due to retirement, DeCastro due to an injury, they cut him to save cap space. I have some confidence in Pittsburgh, but the only way they can win is if Ben keeps up with Allen in terms of passing yards. Ben avoids turnovers, and Najee Harris is able to control the time of possession in his first start as a rookie. That's the only way I could see Pittsburgh winning this game. And even if all those hypotheticals happen with the Bills' upgrades at defensive end in the draft, and with all their depth at defensive end, along with some of the woes Pittsburgh has on the offensive line, I just think it's Buffalo's game to lose. Yeah, the only way that I could see them, they're, they're going to have to call some turnovers and uh, be able to run the football and control the clock for them to uh, win this football game. 
Yeah, pretty much we hit the nail on the head there because we both said the same thing. We both believe that Buffalo, Pittsburgh would have to win the turnover battle and the time of possession battle by running the ball. But overall, yeah, I mean, um, uh, at this point of uh, Ben Roethlisberger's career, uh, he's not the same quarterback. But Pittsburgh don't need him to be the same quarterback he was. He just needs to just limit the turnovers, and they're always going to have a chance as long as they limit the turnovers and can run the football. Exactly. And the next game I have is the Jets and the Panthers. Everybody did take Buffalo. I mentioned it was our only lock, but the Jets' offensive line is going to have the advantage over the Panthers' defensive line with Morgan Fox and Daquan Jones starting instead of Yeteros Matos and Davian Nixon, which I think is a shame that they're the, the Panthers are limiting themselves in the defensive line, but I don't think that'll matter because they'll still find a way to win this game. Zach Wilson's going to have Becton, Vera Tucker, McGovern, Greg Van Roten, former Panthers left guard, and George Fan at right tackle. Um, he, he's got Corey Davis, Crowder, and Keelan Cole as Mims, Braxton Berrios, and Elijah Moore are backups coming off the bench. If New York does find a way to win this game, it'll be due to Zach Wilson winning the turnover battle against Sam Darnold, along with the Jets' depth at receiver. Why the Panthers will win? Darnold's offensive line with the Panthers, I think, is worse than his line with the Jets. Luckily, Darnold is a fully healthy Christian McCaffrey running back. Lethal receiver trio of DJ Moore, Roby Anderson, and Marshall. Weapons he didn't have with the Jets. And New York is depleted with injuries at defensive end, linebacker, cornerback, and safety. So I just think that works in the Jets' favor. I have New York winning this. I have the Jet Panthers, not the Jets. I have Carolina 27 the New York Jets 23 and six of our nine panelists do have the Panthers winning this game. So New York might cover the spread, but I think the Panthers will win the game. It's Carolina's four and a half point favorite on the spread. And I have the Panthers winning by four. So in that situation, the Jets barely cover, but I still think the Panthers will win, but this is going to be an offensive game. And it's going to be closer than people think, but with Dante Jackson, with J.C. Horn, I think they're going to cover well enough to allow the Panthers to hold on. Yeah, um, my question is, uh, can the Jets really stop Christian McCaffrey? And when they do, they could hit him with play action, and they're going to be balanced enough where they're going to be able to take the victory over New York. They just don't have enough right now. They do have a healthy C.J. Mosley but they don't have a healthy Gerard Davis with Davis beginning the season on the pup list. You also have Carl Lawson and Vinny Curry on season ending IR. So you're going to have backup defensive ends the entire year. So even if the Panthers offensive line is weak, they're facing second team defensive ends in this first game and that should allow them to get by. Yeah. And I think uh, Brian Burns and Hassan Redick are, is going to get some pass rush on the Jets' I know that Zach Wilson's going to make some plays, but uh, does he really have enough skill guys right now to uh, beat the Panthers? I don't think he does. Yeah, Burns and Derek Brown, the two first-round picks, those are going to be the key guys to watch in this defensive line as those are two of the four starters. I mean, I, Morgan Fox and Daquan Jones may be suspect, but Brown can draw some double teams and Brian Burns can draw some double teams, and that might open things up for those guys. But I am pretty impressed by the, the Jets' uh, additions on their offensive line. T- Tucker, he I think he's going to be a Pro Bowl uh, guard. Yeah, he could be a really good guard. 
Okay, the next one. Uh, what do you have next? My fifth game on the list is Vikings at Bengals. And this was a game our staff was split over because we had eight other panelists besides ourselves. Four have the Bengals and the other four have the Vikings. So, and I am torn on this game, to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hear your two cents first before I give my opinion on this game. Because this yeah. is, if this is a game our staff's that split over, I'm going to let Wes take the lead on this one and then chime in afterwards. You know, I, I was back and forth uh, both, but I went with uh, Cincinnati uh, because uh, you're going to look at the weapons. The only uh, flaws I see in that is Cincinnati's offensive line. They didn't really upgrade much. Uh, and you saw what last year, Joe Burrow, he got hurt. I just don't – I hope that don't happen again because I'd like to see Joe Burrow for a full, full season. Yeah. And I, I think it's going to be a shootout. Honest, I don't think Cincinnati is going to be able to stop Dalvin Cook. No. And Justin Jefferson's going to make some plays. So is Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, all their playmakers, and Joe Mixon's going to run the football. So it's going to be a fun game to watch. I agree. And I have the Bengals winning 35-34 to 34 as well. But this was the toughest game for me to pick. I was back and forth on both teams. And with the staff being completely split on this game outside of myself, I went with the Bengals. But here's the thing. Darasaw's not starting at left tackle. He got activated yesterday, but he missed all of training camp and all of the preseason due to an injury. So Darasaw's going to have to get those reps in before he's named the starter at left tackle. Whereas Riley Reif, the former Viking left tackle turned Bengal, he's now the right tackle with Jonah Williams. And I think Joe Burrow does just enough to win this game. So I have the Bengals winning by a score of 35 to 34. I believe this is my closest high scoring game of the week. Yeah. I had them uh, scoring 65 total points. That's about what you had to. Yeah. Which is probably the high scoring game of the week. Yeah. But what's interesting is 70% of the betting action is on Minnesota, even though this was a game our staff was split on. Yeah, that that would be a tough game to bet on, regardless of who who wins. Yeah. Okay, and Niners and Lions is the next game on my list, and this is a, a game where uh, San Francisco's facing a Detroit team with a good thirty-four defensive line. Olive McNeil at nose tackle, Michael Brockers. I do like what the Lions are building. They also have strong cornerback play, but the linebackers and safeties are the weak points for Detroit's defense that Jimmy Garoppolo should be able to exploit. I mean, Jamie Collins is playing. Jamie Collins has always thrived as a 43 outside linebacker, but he's playing 34 inside linebacker in Detroit this year. And Garoppolo versus Jamie Collins, two former Patriots, quarterback on offense versus quarterback on defense, two ex-Patriots, I know. But Kittle's probably going to be the star in this game because Detroit doesn't really have any Kittle. And the running game with Raheem Mostert should dominate in this contest. I think Trey Sermon could get some carries too. Williams, Lakin Tomlinson, Alex Mack from the Falcons and right tackle Mike McGlinchey are pretty good on this 49er offensive line. And they're one of the league's best front sevens on defense with um, Fred Warner, D Ford, Nick Bosa, or Rick Armstead, Kinlaw. That defensive line is pretty strong. And, 
Really, the cornerback position is probably the weakness for San Francisco. But Josh Norman, I think Josh Norman might be able to stop some of these guys that, that Detroit has at wide receiver now. Is he going to struggle against tougher opponents? Probably. But eight of our nine panelists took the Niners to beat the Lions. Goff faces a team with weak corners. So if he can win the turnover battle against Garoppolo, the Lions have a chance if Swift misses week one. Any chance the Lions have would evaporate, but they are going to try to limit his carries because he's not 100% yet. And San Francisco has safeties that can limit what TJ Hawkinson does. But I think Detroit's got a strong offensive line as well. So if Decker, Jonah Jackson, Ragno, Vatai, and Panay Sewell can limit what the Niners' defensive line does, then maybe the Lions can create some chances on offense. They're also pretty deep at corner with Okuda, Omar. AJ Walker and then nickel spot and then you have um you have Melifon who is the dime corner and Jerry Jacobs as the quarter corner so they're pretty deep at that position you know um I think that one of the I have a few key matchups that I want to go over uh first of all it's going to, one of the key matchups going to be the 49ers pass rush versus the, the Lions offensive line I think the offensive line has the advantage though Minus Nick Bosa. Yeah. They have uh, Frank Ragnall, um, Penny Asuo. He He's going to be a Pro Bowl, not, if not all pro. I, mean, I thought he was one of the best uh, players in the whole draft. I was really high on him. Yeah, Ragnall was a good prospect in the 2018 draft. Yeah, and they have Decker, which he, he's improved a lot. And... Uh, their secondary, uh, they do have a few weak spots there. I think the 49ers have the advantage there. Aware, uh, he uh, has it was suspect last season. He gave up uh, a 99.2 passer rating, uh, which was pretty high for a corner. I think the 49ers are going to target him a lot. They're going to stay away from uh, – the number one guy. I can't remember his name. Who is it? 49ers? Who are no, you the, the, the Lions uh, first string quarter cornerback. They have Jeffrey Okuda. He's the number one cornerback. Yeah, that, that's who it is. Yeah. But they also have Omani Uware, a 2019 fifth round pick out of Penn State. Yeah, like that, a second that, round that, grade on. They got a lot about. of pieces at corner. They are a very deep cornerback team. Jerry Jacobs is a guy. My friend CJ was very high on CJ Cuevas. Um, there's a lot on that Detroit secondary. They took Melifonwu in the third round. I would say most of the pieces are at corner, though, whereas they have pretty suspect safety play. And I think that's the one thing that works in the Niners' favor is because they're facing a team with suspect safety play, and they have a healthy George Kittle. So they can get Kittle the ball all game long if they want to. And I think uh, this matchup with Dre Greenlaw and TJ Hawkinson, it's 50-50 in my opinion. It's going to be really exciting to watch them, them two go at it. Yeah, you've got Greenlaw and Fred Warner. They're both great in coverage. And they can limit what Hawkinson does in the medium passing game. And San Francisco's safeties can limit what Hawkinson does in the deep passing game. So we'll see what happens because I think that's a very exciting matchup. But Hawkinson can beat those guys on any given play too. That game uh, that we just talked about, that could be one of the better games of the week. I have the Niners winning 28-21. to 21. 
The Niners are currently favored by seven and a half on the point spread, so I have Detroit barely covering. I but have I have the same score. You have the Niners of twenty eight, Lions twenty one. That's yep. the exact same score. Wow. Yep. Great minds think alike. Moving I on to here. Um the Jaguars play the Texans. Um Trevor Lawrence is gonna have Cam Robinson, Norwell, Linder. AJ Can and Jawan Taylor. He did not have his offensive line at full health for the entire preseason, but he's only going to have one running back to get the ball to in James Robinson. But the receiver trio of Chark, Chenault Jr., and Marvin Jones Jr. is a good one. And it's the reason why I think the Jaguars win this game. But I think it's going to be high scoring because the Texans are switching to a 43 defense. Also, the Jaguars haven't finalized their depth chart for week one. They're one of two teams this week that has not finalized their depth chart for week one along with the Chargers. So I do have the Texans keeping this close. I have Jacksonville winning 34-30. So I think this is my second highest scoring game of the week after the um, Bengals-Vikings yeah. game. The only issue I have is the the weapons that Houston has, it's minimal. They've got Brandon Cooks, and they do have some other guys in this team. I mean, didn't I like they, Anthony did, Miller. Did, did, didn't they Collins. trade Brandon Cooks? No, he's still on the Texans. Okay. Maybe I read that wrong. Okay, yeah. Brandon Cooks is definitely their, their best weapon. Um, they, they still have David Johnson. Yeah, they have David Johnson and Mark Ingram as the two running backs that are going to complement each other. And Ty and Tyrod Taylor is going to give him another dimension too. He's going to uh, scramble some uh, by, by by some more time because Houston's offensive line isn't that that great. And historically speaking, Tyrod Taylor has done well in openers. But he did that. He did well. In, he was the opening week starter with the Chargers. He was the opening week starter with the Browns when they played Pittsburgh in 2017, 2018 before Baker started in week two. And then he was a starter for the Bills for many years after being the Ravens' backup to Joe Flacco. So Tyrod Taylor has rose to the occasion in the past, and I think he'll rise to the occasion again. But I don't think it'll be enough. I think the Jaguars just have too much talent and star power, and they find a way to win this game. But I yeah, do I think mean, it's going to be a high-scoring game. Yeah, me too. Uh, I had them win by 10, but... Only because I didn't think the Texans uh, was going to be able to hold up offensive line-wise. And a large part of this has to do with um, Tunsil and Titus Howard have been activated off the COVID list. They're both back. But the biggest reason I'm picking um, Jacksonville to win in Houston to only lose to the Jaguars by 34-30 is because the Jaguars haven't finalized their depth chart yet. That's the biggest reason why I have the Texans dropping 30 on the Jaguars. I still think they're going to lose, but if the Texans score 30 points on the Jaguars, despite a loss, they're going to feel optimistic that Tyrod can be the guy moving forward. And then it's going to turn to crap. Yeah, do you think Deshaun Watson has played his last down on the Texans? Probably. I hope he does come back. I hope he gets cleared of all the charges and he comes back to play next year. But the way the quarterback class for 2022 is going, if things continue to trend downward for Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler, you know, the Texans might decide, you know what, we're not trading Watson unless we get the three first-round picks and two second-rounders. But they would only do that 
trade, a team would only do that trade if Watson was cleared for charges or if it was like a conditional trade where, okay, if he's suspended for one season, you get three seconds instead of three first. And if he's suspended until 2023, you only get three fifth round picks. That would be the condition and transaction to the trade, and it would have to be conditional. I, I think that's the only way a team would even entertain this trade. You know, and the way I think of it is the longer he waits and he lets this quarterback class go is the the little his dra- or his trade value is going to go down. Yeah. There, there There's not going to be no value when, when you draft eight, eight quarterbacks in the first round. I, I had seven in the first round. Tony did have eight in his first round. I mean, so I could see eight. I think I had nine in my first two rounds, though. That's uh. That would be a record, wouldn't it? Yeah. Elway in the class of 83 is still with six quarterbacks from Elway to Marino. That's still the record for uh, quarterbacks to this day in the first round. That just tells you the, the, the level of competition has gotten so much better throughout the years. It has. And it's definitely exciting for us to uh, talk, talk about, and it's definitely something that I enjoy doing. Yeah, you've got Tunsil, Max Sharping, Justin Britt at center, and Titus Howard at right tackle. They do need a right guard upgrade, but Houston may be able to pull the upset if Cooks can get by C.J. Henderson at corner. Jaguars don't really have a good number two corner next to Henderson, so if the Texans line Cooks up in the slot, I do expect them to make some plays in this game. One person picked the Texans straight up to win. The other eight panelists went with the Jaguars. Uh, Colts play Seattle. Um, this game is an indie, and Russell Wilson, he's going to have his blindside Brown. He's going to have Lockett, Metcalf, Dwayne Eskridge, their second-round picks, the slot receiver. Carson plays running back. I mean, you've got Bobby Wagner, middle linebacker, who can contain Jonathan Taylor, and you've got Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs at safety, who might be able to limit what Jack Doyle does in the passing game. And with the Colts, you face a Seattle defense that may be weaker than usual. I mean, you've got you got the safeties, Adams and Diggs, and you've got Wagner at middle linebacker, but nobody else on that defense really puts the fear of God in me if I'm a quarterback trying to diagnose this defense. And Indy's got some issues. They have a good defensive line. You've got Buckner, Grover Stewart, and you've got Quiddy Pay on that defensive line. You've got Darius Leonard and Bobby O'Kirky at linebacker, and you've got Rhodes, Kenny Moore, as your two corners with T.J. Carey, and then you've got Kari Wills and Julian Blackman as this, the defensive backs for the Colts are legitimate defensive backs. But I think Seattle wins this game and covers the spread. I have the Seahawks winning this game 28-20 to 20 over the Colts by eight points. Yeah, I, I had them win 27-20. to 20. I do think the Colts do have a chance. The thing they're going to have to do to win the football game is uh, control the clock. They're going to have to ride uh, their their workhorse, basically, uh, running back. And uh, they're going to play mistake-free. And Carson Wentz is going to have to make the, the crucial third-down throws and not turn the football over. And they're going to have to have a constant pass rush against Russell Wilson, they they just can't let him go out and scramble and let him scramble out and find Lockett like 50 yards down the field. 
because that's what Russell Wilson does best. He buys time for his uh, players to get open, basically. Yeah, and like a lot of these early games, eight to one, eight members taking Seattle. One person took the Colts. Um, So it's not impossible. I think only one lock in the first eight games, and that was the Bills over the Steelers. I think that was the only lock for week one, to be honest. Um, So I'm probably going to post the results to these once Oren finalizes his picks and sends them to me through Facebook. Um, But everybody else, I think Wes and I agree on the first eight games. The ninth game is Arizona versus the Titans. Kyler Murray's got a great offensive line. Humphrey, Pugh, Rodney Hudson from the Raiders, Murray and Justin Murray and Kelvin Beecham. Hopkins and A.J. Green are going to be the targets. You have Kirk and Rondale Moore in the slot. You've got Chase Edmonds and James Conner. And Max Williams is an effective but not a great tight end. So you've got a lot of weapons on this Arizona offense. And yeah, the Titans... Okay, I'm going to let you speak on this because I, I think you have this Cardinals offense. Yeah, they're, they're loaded at receiver. Absolutely. And uh, this is going to be Julio James' Titans debut, which that's going to be pretty interesting to see. Uh, he's going to be the, the number two for the first time in his career since his, what, rookie year? Yeah, this was a tough game for me to pick. I went with the Titans – simply because the Cardinals, Malcolm Butler retired and they don't have Patrick Peterson anymore. If they had one of the corners playing next to Byron Murphy, I'd probably pick the Cardinals, to be completely honest. But they don't, which is why I'm slightly leaning towards the Titans, 24-20. I mean, the Cardinals do have guys, Rashard Lawrence, Jordan Phillips, and J.J. Watt. Those guys can get pressure on this Titan interior offensive line. And they also have Zach Allen, Corey Peters, and Lakai Futo. Lakai Foto is backups on the defensive line. So I think their starters and their depth players on that 34 defensive line are outstanding. And you've got Chandler Jones and Marcus Golden on the edge rusher spot. Simmons and Zayvon Collins inside at middle linebacker. So Derrick Henry is going to have his hands full. I do think Derrick Henry gets enough, gets a rushing touchdown or two in this game. But I think Arizona is capable of holding him to under 100 yards. And if Henry gets over 100 yards, it'll be because of some poor tackling by Isaiah Simmons or some bad plays by uh, David Collins or just some rookie mistakes by their two first-round picks in the last two drafts. Yeah, uh, the Cardinals uh, last year, they gave up four yards a carry, uh, which wasn't bad. It was a top, top, top ten. But to be fair, Chandler Jones was out for much of the year, and they didn't have Zayvon Collins. Yeah, I mean, that that was still a great accomplishment, even though he was out. Yeah. And uh, I just think it's going to come down to uh, can Ryan Tannehill make the throws when he needs to, and I think he does. I agree. I think Tannehill, if he makes the right throws, they should win this because you have A.J. Brown, you have Julio Jones, and that's why I went with the Titans 24 to 20, but this is going to be a close game. I think this is going to be one of the better matchups in week one. Yeah. I had the Titans win 30 to 27, which is basically the same margin, three and four points. I had the by field goal. I think it was 24 to 20. Yeah. So only one person took the Cardinals out of nine. And there's a lot of these games I've noticed where we span our staff from five to nine that 
you have that one individual who's trying to hit the upset, who's trying to get the correct upset, and the rest are going with the consensus team. Now, this might be the first game where we disagree because we've agreed on nine games so far. This one was tough. The Chargers haven't set their depth chart yet, but they are favored to beat the Washington football team. But I went with the Washington football team in an upset because Fitzpatrick won't throw as many passing yards as Justin Herbert, but that's why it's paramount for Fitzpatrick to win the turnover battle against Herbert on Sunday. You've got Lino Jr. from the Bears, Arec Flowers, Rulier, Brandon Scherf, and Cosme at right tackle. That line's going to open things up for um, – they got to protect Fitzpatrick from Joey Bosa, though. Joey Bosa is the only player on this defensive line that I really fear as far as pass rushing goes. The rest of the defensive line is effective at stopping the run, though, and Washington's going to have an uphill battle as far as running the football against this team. I mean, Antonio Gibson's one of the better backs in the league, but I think the difference in this game that works in Washington's favor is the Chargers don't really have a number one corner. I mean, they got rid of Casey Hayward, who was their number one corner last year, and they never found a replacement for him in the draft. They did get Asante Samuel Jr. as a nickel corner, and I did like that pick a lot, but his size may limit him to a nickel role. And I just think this is a huge matchup advantage for Terry McLaurin. Plus, I love Washington's defensive line. I mean, who doesn't love Washington's defensive line? They got yeah. Jim Davis in the first round out of Kentucky with to go with Cole Holcomb and John Bostick at linebacker. So I think Washington is one of the better front sevens in the league. And I've got the football team winning this game 21-17, to 17, and the Chargers are one-point favorites. So this really does feel like... Yeah, we do disagree on that. I think the Chargers win. And I'll, t- I'll tell you why I think they win. Um... I think that they're going to be able to contain Chase Young. I think Rashawn Slater is a good enough lineman where one-on-one he can't hold up. And that, that that's a big accomplishment because Chase Young is one of the young defensive linemen in the whole NFL. Yeah, I love Rashawn Slater and Brian Bulaga, but the fact that the Chargers haven't set their uh, depth chart yet pisses me off to the point where I'm just taking the football team. But if – the Chargers had set their depth chart. I probably would have picked the Chargers, but them being the only team not to set their depth chart along with the Jaguars, that just pissed me off because yeah, I have to guess who's going to play. And I know what Washington has, which is why I'm leaning towards them slightly. But I probably would have picked the Chargers had they set their damn depth chart. That could have been one of two things. Either there's injuries, someone hadn't been cleared, or uh, they're just trying to get a, an advantage basically yeah because i know the jaguars are doing this too but that was a tough game for me to pick that that would uh that game the cardinals game and the uh, Bengals vikings game were the three toughest games out of all these games on the schedule yeah and you are right about uh the chargers their their secondary is suspect i just don't think it's something samuel jr is he really ready to be a number one right now and he's no. a little undersized. Yeah. That and that's what, what, 5'9"? 5'10"? Yeah, I mean, he, his his father was about that size, too. Yeah. Browns and Chiefs game is probably the game of the week. I mean, the Browns have a lot of depth on their defensive line. A lot of playmakers on offense. Beckham, Landry, Higgins, Peoples, Jones at receiver, Nick Chubb at running back. 
Wills, Batonio, Treader, Teller, and Conklin. Ward and Newsom are complementing each other at corner. Troy Hill and Greedy Williams are in depth spots. They have Ronnie Harrison and John Johnson the third. If they had Grant Delpit starting, I might be tempted to t- pick the Browns, but I have the Chiefs winning this game and winning this game 31 to 24. Right now, the Chiefs are six-point favorites on the spread. If they weren't six-point favorites, I would have gone with a 30 to 24 overtime score, but because it's a six-point spread. I'm always either over or under. I, I try to avoid being exactly on point with the spread. So I went Kansas City 31, Browns 24. The Chiefs just have, I think, with Tyreek Hill and Kels, they have two guys that can get 100 yards on this um, secondary, even though I really do think the Browns are going to push the Chiefs to the limit in this game. You've got Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith, two rookies. Thunny, former Patriot, Orlando Brown. I just love the additions the Chiefs have on the offensive line. They have so much depth at receiver and tight end. Even, I mean, you don't want anything to happen to Hill or Kels, but they do have depth guys that can step in if something does happen. But I just feel like the Chiefs, they're going to win this game. You've got Chris Jones moving to defensive end where he's going to play next to play opposite of Frank Clark. And then you have Jerron Reed and Derek Naughty. I mean, you've got three run-stuffing defensive tackles on that defensive line. And then you have Frank Clark. So I think it's going to be difficult for Cleveland to run the ball on Kansas City. And you have Neiman and Hitchens at linebacker. Ward, Sneed, Hughes are the starting corners. But you also have Fenton, Chris Lammons, and DeAndre Baker for depth at corner. And I think the Chiefs secondary is a little bit more depth than the Browns receivers. Even though I'd argue the Browns tight ends have a little bit more depth than the safeties. But the defensive backs, I think they have slightly more depth. Kansas City does in Cleveland but you could argue Cleveland is more star power as far as the playmakers go and here's some interesting facts Cleveland is 120 and one in week one game second Bill Vinovich who officiated Super Bowl 54 the and the, where the Chiefs won and the AFC championship last year he's officiating this game so I I think we could even see shadier officiating in this game than we did in the Chiefs playoff win over the Browns. I think the officiating in this game might be shadier than the playoff win as a result, but we'll see. Um, two of our nine panelists over Kansas City, and I think this is a, this was probably another top five toughest game to pick. Yeah, um, there's a few matchups that uh, I really would like to see. Uh, the Chiefs offensive line is obviously their strength this year. They've upgraded everywhere. They got draft. They went free agency and got it. They have what good, a good eight or nine great linemen. I don't have all their names, but uh, that that was definitely what they wanted to uh, do is fix the offensive line. So what happened in super in the Super Bowl doesn't happen again, and they obviously uh, have the offensive talent. Uh, skill guys, no one's better than Tyreek Hill, basically. And But the matchup that I really think is going to be even is Jeremiah Wusso versus Travis Kelsey. He's highly underrated, and he should have went in the first round, in my opinion. Yep. He's a – I think he runs in the 4-5, four, 4-4 four, four range, and he's – probably the best cover linebacker in that draft. I agree. 
I don't know how many snaps he's going to play. He might be listed as a backup in the lineup, but I would guarantee he gets at least two to five snaps and he gets a couple of plays in. Yeah. Um, the way I, I just saw don't it see was, the Browns uh, sitting him the entire game. I just don't see that happening. Yeah, if you look up uh, the Browns versus the Chiefs, it talks about Owuso and his matchup against Travis Kelsey. And he's looking forward That's to That's a guy it. who can limit what Kels does. I mean, if they were playing Grant Delpit, I think they will still play Delpit, rotating him in the lineup so that their safeties don't get fatigued. Yeah, and uh, I, and even though that the Chiefs are really good against the rush, you're not going to find a better two-back tandem than Kareem Hunt and Nick, Nick Chubb. You're not, and you're not going to find a better pass rushing tandem than Clowney and Garrett for a 43 defense. No, I mean, uh, if there's a team that can match up with Cleveland other than Tampa Bay, it's, it's Cleveland. Yeah. For, for sure. Uh, but even though that they do match up well with them, I still have Kansas City winning. Uh, I have them winning 38-31. to 31. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a high-scoring game. The next game's the ga- game. Dolphins face the Patriots. It's Tua versus Mac Jones. Um, one person did pick Miami. The rest of our staff took the Patriots. Heads up. Even the people that can't stand the Patriots still took the Patriots over the Dolphins. But I do think this game's going to be high-scoring. I have New England winning 27-23 because I think Tua's going to get a few touchdowns with um, – with, um, I'm trying to think, with Stephen Gilmore on the pup list, Stephon Gilmore on the pup list, I do think Miami gets at least 21 points. But I think New England's going to outscore Miami to find a way to win this game. Even though Miami does have one of the better secondaries, I think their pass rush just doesn't match up well with our offensive line at all, which is going to give Mac Jones a clean pocket throughout most of the day. So it's really going to come down to who avoids the turnovers. And I'm thinking it's going to be New England that avoids the turnovers and does enough to win this game. Yeah, uh, and one of Miami's weak spots is their rush defense. Uh, They're a little suspect against that. And New England's going to do that a lot with Mac Jones because they're not going to put a lot of pressure on Mac Jones the first week of the season. They're going to run with uh, Harris. They're going to run with uh, Stevenson. And I think they, they have a three-back system, which is a great way to do it in the NFL. Yeah, they have Andrew Van Ginkle as their starting edge rusher. They had Van Ginkle and Kyle Van Noy as the starters last year. Van Noy's now on the Patriots. to make a difference as well. Matt Judon, Dante Hightower. Regardless of whether they line up in the 43 or the 34 scheme, I expect those linebackers to dominate. Adam Shaheen and um, left tackle Austin Jackson are on the COVID list, so Tua's going to have less time than usual. And I get that Tua's a left-handed quarterback, but Liam Eichenberg, I don't think he won the right tackle job either right out of the gate. Maybe he did for the Dolphins, but if he didn't and Austin Jackson's out due to COVID, then that's going to give New England's pass rush an advantage in this game. It's going to give Tua less time to get rid of the ball, even though I think the two receivers on the outside – Devontae Parker and Jalen Waddle could both either come close to exceeding 100 yards. Because I think both both receivers are capable of five, six receptions, 70 yards. Even if neither one touches 100, 
I think we'll see at least five or six receptions and 70 yards from maybe a touchdown or two from both receivers. Yeah, um, and uh, something that's going to help Mac Jones, Hunter Henry is going to be active in this game. Yeah, because they have Hunter Henry, they have Joe Smith, they have um, they have the receivers, um, mainly Myers and Aguilar, but you have Nikhil Harry as a number three guy if you need him in that and, role. Uh, from what I've read and uh, I've heard, they're going to use Smith as like the, the H-back like they did Aaron Hernandez. That's neat. I hope that's Yeah, I mean, he, he, he's going to carry the ball some because he has speed. He runs around 4-4, so it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to use him. They might use a couple of sweet plays or reverses like they did Aaron Hernandez, and it was successful when Hernandez did that. Yeah, definitely. Next up is the Packers-Saints game. Two people took the Saints to beat the Packers. I have the Packers only winning by a field goal, and the Saints, the Packers are three-and-a-half-point favorites on the spread, so I think the Saints will cover the point spread, but the Packers will win the game straight up. And I think the Saints have a very good offensive line, even with Breeze gone. I think Winston can do some things with this line. He's not going to have Michael Thomas, though. And the decision-making of Winston versus the Packers' defensive backs, that's really going to be the key in this game. I do think it, I do think Alvin Kamara can get 100 yards in this run defense, even though they do have some guys like Kenny Clark at nose tackle who can really cause tackles for a loss and limit what um, Kamara does if he gets by the interior line for the Saints. I, I like the Packers' defensive backs, though. Jair Alexander... Kevin King, Amos Savage are starting, and you've got Eric Stokes and Chandon Sullivan, those guys, and no Michael Thomas to worry about. So I think the Packers' pass defense steps up, has a big day. I do think Winston's going to get a lot of time in the pocket, but I do think he's going to make some bad decisions in this game despite having a really good preseason. I'm going 24-21 Packers over the Saints. Yeah, I think uh, Winston can have, like, two touchdowns and two interceptions, something like that. Yeah. And maybe, like, 300 yards. I was thinking two interceptions – wait, two touchdowns, one interception, one fumble loss. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, he does have a tendency to fumble. He uh, doesn't see behind him a lot. And the the good thing is the line is good at at both tackles. So, they're going to protect his blind side. I agree. Um, I do, but there's too much star power on the Packers. Adams, um, yeah, you have Aaron Jones, Tanyan. Yeah, even though they don't have Bakhtiari until Week Seven, with him being on the pup list for the first six weeks, there's too much star power. Yeah, and they're going to be able to run the football with Dylan and Jones. Yeah. I just think they're too balanced, and plus Aaron Rodgers. His experience, reign MVP, he's been on a roll, and uh, he had quite the offseason. Yeah. It was, it was kind of up and down. I really didn't expect him to be a Packer. Yeah. I'm surprised he came back because he could have gotten a starting job in a team like Miami or the Jets, or he could have gone elsewhere, and he probably could have gotten I thought he would end up in Denver, but. Yeah. 
they kept Melvin Gordon and they drafted Javante Williams. And speaking of Denver, that's the next game on the list here. Final afternoon game. And I've got Denver winning this game 20 to 16. I just love Denver's defense. Um, Just the defense as a whole. Draymond Jones, Shelby Harris, Miller at 34 defensive end, Chubb and Vaughn Miller, A.J. Johnson, Jewel with Baron Browning for depth. You have Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby, and Patrick Sertan the second in the nickel. Although they might put Sertan on the outside in a few plays, try to bring some different looks in Vic Fangio's defense. Simmons and Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson do not have to worry about Evan Ingram. So they can use as corner and safety to double-team Galladay, or they can use two corners to double-team Galladay if they're running a nickel defense. So I think that those personnel matchups and the fact that Evan Ingram's out for this game gives Denver a huge advantage over the New York Giants. I do think the Giants, if they can run the ball effectively, I think they could put up a few field goal drives. I have the Broncos winning 20-16, to 16, and I, I think Denver's just going to find a way to win this game. Jones might have more passing yards than Bridgewater, but Bridgewater's going to limit turnovers, and that's going to be the difference. Yeah, his experience and uh, limiting his turnovers. Barkley's going to get his yards. He will. There's no doubt about that. Because uh, Denver did give up uh, the fourth most yards per carry at 4.8. They're going to feed Barkley. I just don't think Jones is going to play mistake-free football. That's going to be the difference. Yeah. And I have them win. The Broncos win 20-17. to 17. Yep, so the Broncos are three-point favorites in the spread. I always try to make sure the Broncos either win by four or win by up two in that yeah. situation. Because <laughs> I, I never was... like to be on point if they're favored by three on the spread. I don't want to be exactly. But I 20-17 to 17 is an ideal score. Only one person picked the Giants, and everyone else on the staff took the Broncos. Um Bears play the Rams. Andy Dalton, he's got weapons like Allen Robinson, Darnell Moody, Cole Met. Um, I remember at the Senior Bowl, one of Cole Met's Notre Dame teammates called him a special tight end. And you've got David Montgomery. So I do like the weapons Dalton has, but I don't like the offensive line the Bears have. And they, every, they have every starter back on defense except Kyle Fuller, and I think that's going to be the difference. And that's why this Rams offense is going to be too much for Chicago secondary to handle. And that is the reason why we see um, the um, Bears find a way to limit the Rams. And they find a way to win this game, the Rams do, because I think the Rams just have the superior team. Chicago's got a good front seven, which can limit Daryl Henderson. But I don't think they have enough pieces in the secondary with Kyle Fuller to limit what this offense does with Matthew Stafford, with – Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. I think the Rams just have too much talent. Um, I'm taking the 85% of the public is betting on the Rams. I thought this was going to be our second lock of the week, but Tracy Porter chose the Bears. Everybody else took everybody else is leading the Rams. I still need Oren's predictions to legitimize everything, but you know, I think the Rams I think they the 85% probability betting action of winning. 85% of people betting on the Rams. I think that's the highest probability for week one. My thing was my spread is nearly two touchdowns because it's Andy Dalton starting. He's yeah. not going to win a football game for you. He's going to manage the game. 
I think the highest to... I've seen for a spread may be minus ten and a half. But right now, the Vegas, the consensus Vegas points plus is minus seven and a half for the Rams, and I think that's yeah. way too low for being completely honest. Yeah, I think that's too low too. Mine was twelve. Yeah, which was re- re- reasonable, but that's just against the spread. I think they're they're going to beat that straight up. Yeah, easily. Yeah, and I just I have them win thirty-one to seventeen. I I just think they made a mistake by not starting J- Justin Fields right right away. Yeah, and the Bears are obviously going to pay until they play Fields. Yeah, I I think if they would have started Fields, they they had a shot. Yeah, the Ravens play the Raiders. Lamar Jackson, he is one of the best dual-threat quarterbacks in the league, and he's going to have a good offensive line. Ronnie Stanley, Tyre Phillips, Bozeman at center, Kevin Zeitler at right guard, and Bill in the wave at right tackle. Gus Edwards and Levy and Bell will anchor the backfield as Dobbins and Justice Hill are on. And Mark Andrews, he just got a four-year extension, $14 million a year at tight end. I don't know what's going to happen with Rashad Bateman. And I don't really know who's going to exactly be there at the end. But we'll see what happens as I think there's going to be a lot of teams that find a way to figure out the Raiders this season. I'm not saying the Raiders can't make the playoffs. They are my pick to get the seven seed at the moment. But I think they're gonna. the Raiders are one of these teams that's going to be off to a very rough start. And they're going to be a team that has to fight their way back in the picture. I think they their end game schedule is really good, but their schedule at the beginning of the year is really bad. And I just think the Ravens, they just outmatch the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders have a good offensive tackle situation with Colt Miller and Leatherwood. But the rest of their group, their interior offensive line with Incognito, the guy they saw, the, one of their undrafted guys beat out Nick Martin for the backup center job. And then they have a, right guard that is replaceable as well. And I think with Kalias, Derek Wolf, and with Brandon Williams at nose tackle, I just think that interior defensive line for the Ravens gets the job done. Simply put, I think that group gets the job done. Yeah, they're going to have to need uh, someone to step up. Derek Carr is going to have to play at the level he was playing at at the end of last year. Yep. And, uh, He's going to have to uh, basically make the throws that just to keep Las Vegas in the game because I think Baltimore was, what, the number one rushing team what, last year? Yeah, and they have Justin Houston and um, Tyus Bowser starting at edge rusher. They have Malik Harrison and Patrick Queen at inside linebacker, and they've got four corners that can cover effectively. Obviously, and- Peters and Humphrey are the starters, but Tavon Young is healthy unlike last year. And you got Jimmy Smith still on this team. And uh, the the good thing is Josh Jacobs could have a, a great game over a hundred yards because the Ravens are at, at the almost at the end of the pack. I think they're like eighth worst in the NFL against the run last last year. But yeah, they're, impro- they're improved though. I think the more I think Queen and Harrison having more experience helps. Last year, those guys were both rookies. And they relied heavily on Yannick and Matt Judon to get pressure on the quarterback. Now Yannick's on the Raiders, obviously, and they're going to need Yannick and Matt and um, 
Max Crosby to get pressure on Lamar Jackson if the Raiders are going to have any shot of winning this game because while they have good safety play with Ibram and Trevon Morig, I think the linebacker play is suspect. I think the defensive tackle play is suspect with Hankins, and they don't really have a good number two starter next to Hankins. So I think the run defense for the Raiders is going to be really suspect. And they don't really have a number two corner next to Trayvon Mullen either. That's the other thing. Casey Hayward. But Hayward was a liability in more games last year. Outside of the opener against the Bengals, he was a liability the rest of the season. Yeah, the only bad thing is about the Raiders, they're even worse against the run. And they're not they're even worse. They're giving up 125 yards a game last year, and they didn't really make any improvements. I feel like that they, they reached for Alex Le- Leatherwood in the draft. They, they would have got him in the second round, in my opinion. That's fair, but there were some teams like the Ravens actually looking at Leatherwood at 27 and 31. So I don't think he would have been there, but he was a guy that had a consensus second-round grade. Even though I had like a blue chip grade on him, there were some people that had him in the second round. So I'm trying to be objective and look at it from both points of view. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand it. It filled a need, and and Leatherwood's a great player. It filled a need for them, and it makes them better. Which that's what matters is what their talent evaluators think. Okay, we just got some news here 45 minutes ago. Danny Amendola signed a one-year deal with the Texans. Okay, um, he's has he been out of the league for a while? Yeah, he was with the Patriots for a few years, and then he was with the Lions. And yeah, now he, the Texans have brought him in on a one-year, $2.5 million deal. They, they need him because uh, they're a little short at receiver. Yeah, that's a good move. Like... I'm almost tempted to give the Texans another field goal, but 30, 30 points is enough. I mean, I probably won't even score 30 in the game on Sunday, but I just felt like being bold since the Jaguars didn't finalize their depth chart. Otherwise, I'd probably have the Texans only getting like 20 if the Jaguars had, I'm being honest. Non-NFL news, how did you do in your, your pick in week one? Um. I think we've agreed on 15 of the 16 games outside of the Chargers football team game. I think we agreed on every other game. Okay, yeah. Uh, and on your your college pick from ESPN, how'd you do on that? Um, I didn't do a – I'm not in a college pick league on ESPN. I'm only in an NFL pick league. Okay, yeah. I went 7-3, and three, which was like the 93 percentile. That's pretty good, Wes. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not bad. I did lose the uh, the Clemson game. Yep, that's a game I lost too, Wes. Keep going. I feel like I could have been the 95 percentile if I would have. Uh, and I also lost the, the Penn State. I really thought Wisconsin would win. Yeah, and I'm bringing in my uh, Pick'em Championship trophy, and I uh, edged out Matt Bowen of ESPN for the best winning percentage in Pick'em last year, 181-74-1, against the spread, and I got this Pick'em Champion trophy with my name on it. It says Chris Ransom. It doesn't say Draftytopia, but I'll take it regardless. Uh, it's pretty cool to earn this trophy, and I'm hoping I get six more like Brady, but I should just be happy I got one. <laughs> 
Yeah, you might you might get there. We'll see. I mean, I think it's going to be a very fun week one, and everybody making predictions, including Wes Langley, our staff at Draftytopia, everybody that does predictions for ESPN, CBS. I wish you guys the best of luck this season with your predictions. And do you want to quickly mention some of the college football games before we end the show? Um, I'll have to look them up, but uh... I, mean, I know two. There's two games we don't have to look up. Ohio State plays Oregon, and the other game's Iowa versus Iowa State. I know those yeah. are the two signature games this week. Um, yeah. I'll look up one more game in addition. It was Michigan versus. Um... I can't remember who, but it's it's definitely a ranked opponent. I took the Ravens 35-14 to 14 over the Raiders. That was my score for the Monday night game. And only two people have the Raiders winning. But, um, yeah, I'm going to look up the college football scores for week two really quickly here. Um, see what signature games stand out. and then Yeah, I see them right now. Yeah, I've got, Oregon, Ohio State is one. And the other is um, Iowa versus Iowa State. And then I'm trying to figure out, uh, yeah, Iowa versus Iowa State is 10 versus 9. That, I could see why that's a huge deal. And I think that's pretty much it. I'm trying to be objective and find another game worth um, acknowledging. Utah does play BYU at 10-15. I don't really consider that a big-time game, though, because, well, BYU's lost Zach Wilson, so I don't think that's going to be as exciting. So I'm trying to find a third game, though, to complement those games that involves ranked teams. I mean, Texas versus Arkansas, I would say, gets the honorable mention because that game is in Arkansas. And yeah. Um, Clemson versus South Carolina State. I know it don't seem like a big deal, but it's going to be a big deal for their their quarterbacks' maturity. Yeah, Ugalele is going to have to say a signature game in that contest. Yeah, I know that you've uh, you know a lot of stuff on him, but ha- have you noticed he's had three or four starts, and every one of them hasn't been that good. Yeah. I just think it's an experience thing. He has all the talent in the world. Yeah, his one signature start, Ugalele, was the game against Notre Dame last year. That's what everybody points to. And some people are saying he's better than Lawrence, but I haven't seen that yet. I like the guy. I think he can be great. But I, I have not seen enough from him to say he's going to be a better NFL prospect than Trevor Lawrence. Like some, I people. don't think so. The difference was when Lawrence first came in, he was that dynamic from day day one. Yeah, and he only lost two games in his career to uh, Justin Fields and Joe Burrow. And that's uh, probably uh, all-time greats in the college football game. And he didn't yeah, lose man. a single game in high school. I think he may have lost one game in his four years in high school. I think I remember hearing about that. I don't remember the Alabama quarterback. He hadn't lost a game since uh, – it was a few years back. I think it was A.J. McCarron. Yeah. He hadn't lost a high school game since, like, kindergarten or something like that, which is cra- crazy. Yeah, Pitt plays Tennessee. It That game is in Nayland Stadium, and Pitt is a three-and-a-half-point favorite over the Vols. Um, so that would probably be my third game because that game and then the other two games, we could discuss those games briefly. But Pitt playing Tennessee, 
I think it's interesting because I saw Tennessee embarrass Bowling Green. Pitt is going into a huge road environment. Nayland Stadium, 110,000-plus fans. And I know a lot about Nayland Stadium because Tennessee was my father's alma mater. My late father, Van, James Van Atta Ransom, Van Ransom, he was a Tennessee alumnus. So, born in 1949, there from 71. So, Tennessee was his alma mater. And I think the Pitt Panthers are going to find a way to win this game. But it's going to be a very close, very exciting contest for both teams. Yeah. Josh Hopple definitely has Tennessee hopped up. I, I live in Tennessee personally. So, they sleep and breathe Tennessee. And for a long time, Tennessee has been wanting their football back. But it just hasn't been on the level. I felt like. A long time ago, if Lane Kiffin stayed, they, they could have been special. Yeah. And they don't really have – I mean, they do have a good tight end who's related to Noah Fant. And they have a left tackle in Cade Mays. They do have some pieces. But Toto, their best defensive player, he transferred to Alabama. They do Gray a, went to Oklahoma. Yeah. So. They lost, like, 12 players to, like, the, the transfer portal, portal. That's why I'm leaning towards Pitt. But, again, this game, I honestly think it could go either way because of the crowd and because Tennessee faces a lot tougher opponents. But this is a big game for both programs. Yeah, and they wasn't given the last head coach credit. He, he recruited well. Yeah. They had him, I think, top 10 every year. Exactly. Um, a, that's all you can ask for. Mm-hmm. So, after those games, the next matchup, I would argue, which game do you want to talk about next? Cause I, I want to, I mean, I know it's it's my favorite team, but still, it, it, it's a quality opponent. It's, it's Michigan at Washington. All right. I'm leaning over. It's going to be an interesting matchup because last week Washington was preseason a top twenty team, and they go in and lose to Montana. Yeah, which is a a terrible loss. Yeah, and uh, Michigan had that big win. They were able to run the football for over three hundred yards. So. I do feel like Michigan will win this game. And they haven't been tested yet, so we'll see how that goes. Aiden Hutchinson's going to be the key player on Michigan's defense. Yeah, he was. Uh, they got to rely on their corner, Trent McDuffie. If they had a chance. I mean, Hutchinson. Washington lost to Montana last week at home. It was a, probably their most embarrassing loss in school history, I would say. Yeah, probably so. Vanderbilt got... Uh, Embarrassed last week, too. East Tennessee State, I believe. Yeah, I live about 10, 10 minutes from ETSU. Okay. Because they came into Vanderbilt and delivered a signature win. Yeah, I think it was like 23 to 3 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and you might not know this about ETSU, but they quit their football in 2005. And they got yeah. they got it back in 2013. That just tells you the progress that they've made from 2013 
to 2021. Exactly. They uh, were Division Two until this year. Yep. Um, next game, I think we'll break down because I'm going to save the two for the end. The uh, Ohio State Oregon game and the Iowa game. I'll save those two for the end, but I'm going to pick one more game to throw into this equation here. And I'm, I'm the game I'm going to pick is. Utah BYU. I'm going to take the Utah Utes. Devin Lloyd at middle linebacker. I think he's going to make a statement. And BYU without Zach Wilson, I don't expect this to be much of a contest. Yeah, there is one other game. I mean, it probably ain't nothing big. I just want to see Carson Strong's performance. What he does week to week. Yeah, the Nevada. Because right now, I would go Carson Strong. Desmond Ritter, Phil Jerkovic, Keaton Slovis, and then, well, I actually had put Strong and Malik Wills at the top. But then after those two, you got Ritter, Jerkovic, and Slovis as the next best three. And then you sort of have Howell and uh, Rattler at six. If you're just basing the quarterbacks based off of the first game in 2021, you're not yeah. basing it off of anything else. Because if you took the last two years into account, you could still make the argument that Rattler and Howell are the top two. But right now, I think Strong is in a position where he has a chance to assert one, and they they should crush Idaho State Saturday in Nevada. And one more game to keep an eye on is the Stanford USC rivalry. The Trojans are currently favored by seventeen. Yeah, uh, that that was one of the games in the Pickums for the college game. Yeah. I did go with USC. Yeah, with Drake London and uh, Trey Nixon, former uh, Colorado Buffalo, transferred to USC. They also have uh, the guy from Texas, who tra- the Texas running back, Kennedy Brooks, I think, who transferred from Texas to USC. Yeah, and they also had the, the number one recruit in the country. I can't remember his name, but he's a defensive end. Never mind. Kennedy Brooks is in Oklahoma. The player I was thinking of is Keontae Ingram, Texas running back. But... Yeah, he he's a, he's a really good um... – He's a better receiving threat than he is a running back, though. Yeah. But he's a really talented. I remember him. Yeah. I thought that he would go in the second or third round in the NFL draft. I mean, I do have one more game. If you've got one more game you'd like to pick out, otherwise we can just head to the two big games and then show on that note. Have you already done Iowa and Iowa State? It's either that or the Ohio State um, Oregon game. Those are the two I'm looking at as the big signature games this week. Yeah, I'm still going to look and see. Because I do have a game I'll read out loud if you've got a game. I'm still looking. You can go ahead and read it out loud. Because there are a few games, like with two want to know teams. Um, Toledo, Notre Dame, that doesn't really excite me, though. Texas A&M plays Colorado, and they're playing them in the Broncos Stadium on Saturday. I mean, that's interesting. I mean, Texas A&M has a lot of talent, and they're going to be tested on the road against this Buffalo team that has Mustafa Johnson coming back, Nate Blandman at middle linebacker. I think the Aggies should win that, though. And the other game I was going to mention is um, LSU versus McNessie State. I'm only mentioning this because Ed Origin is playing against his son. His son's the quarterback on McNessie State. And LSU's coach, Ed Orgeron, his son's the McNessie State quarterback. That's the only reason I'm even acknowledging this game. 
you know, um, I want to acknowledge uh, Florida versus South Florida. It's a right. state rivalry game. It's always very important for the state of Florida. And uh, Florida, basically, this is basically the game where they're going to play a quality, a decent quality opponent and see if they're for real. I think they're ranked 13th right now. Yeah, I'm trying to find that game on um, the phone here. I can't seem to pull it up. Is it a late game or is it an early game? It's a, it's a 1 o'clock game on uh, Saturday. Okay, yeah. That game's at Raymond James Stadium where the Buccaneers play. So the Gators are traveling on the road. Okay. But they're favored by 28 on the spread. Yep, and uh, Dan Mullen is looking for his 100th career win at Florida. That's another significant factor because after this game, Florida has to head back to Gainesville to prepare for Alabama next week. Yeah, and that's uh, it's going to be a battle. That will be a battle. That will be a game we'll discuss next week. But And I'm pretty sure that Florida has to run the gauntlet this year. They got to play Georgia, Alabama, and LSU. Yeah, I think I they they're spared Texas A&M, but I think they have to play Dallas few on the road. They get Georgia and Jacksonville, and they host Alabama next week. Yeah, the Jacksonville game is between the hedges. Yeah, which is an annually game, which is that's fine with them. But I would personally not want to run the gauntlet in two years. They're going to probably have to run like a four or five elite team gauntlet with Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah, that's going to be brutal. Whoever comes out, they're going to be tested. Yeah. And I'm not sure why Oklahoma would want to leave the Big 12 when they're the dominant team in that. Yeah, I personally wouldn't do that because you're almost guaranteed a spot in the college football playoff every year. Yeah, I can understand Texas wanting to leave, but Oklahoma, they're just setting themselves up for um, disaster. Yeah, failure. Yeah, I guess they feel like if they go to the SEC, they can improve their recruiting because their recruiting ain't bad. Their recruiting's best in the Big 12, and they do recruit the best quarterbacks, but if they go to the SEC, they can steal players away from Alabama's, LSU's, Florida's, Georgia's. And, and I think they that's figured, the whole angle with them wanting to move to the SEC. I guess they figured if, since they're in Oklahoma, they would be the closest team in, on the West Coast, too, so they could steal all the West Coast players, too, and still be in the SEC. Yeah. They have a good uh, ter- territory. They they can recruit, te- they recruit Texas, too, which that's big Texas territory for Texas yeah. Tech and Texas and TCU. And Baylor. Yep. So, which game do you want to mention first? Ohio State, um, Oregon, or Iowa, Iowa State? I'm thinking Iowa, Iowa State. Yeah, Iowa, Iowa State. I'm going to go with Iowa State in that game. I think Brock Purdy and the weapons that he has. Yeah, guys like Brees Hall and tight end Charlie Kolar. I think those weapons are the difference. I'm with you there. And I think yep. they find a way to win. Yep, and uh, once they get that win, they, they should be inside the close, like, seventh or eighth in the country if they aren't already. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what they're ranking. They're all right in the top ten. Yeah, Iowa's number 10 in the country, and Iowa State's number 9 in the country. So it's a huge game for both top 10 programs. Yeah, it's a huge game for the Big Ten because if Iowa wins, it gives Ohio State another quality opponent. Yeah, and if Iowa State wins, it gives Oklahoma a quality opponent. So it's a big game for both programs. Um, I did find one – well, I don't know. I mean, Texas, Arkansas – Texas should win that, but – NC State-Mississippi State interesting because both teams have NFL prospects on the offensive line. North Carolina State-Mississippi State, both teams have prospects on the offensive line. NC State's left guard's a second-round pick, and Charles Cross, the left tackle of Mississippi State, might be a first-round pick. So, yeah, I think he is. I think he, he's mid in the 20s. Yeah. The only issue I have with Charles Cross is he needs to bulk up. Yeah. He's fast, though. Like, he can keep up with edge rushers. I didn't think he had that in him, and he does. Yeah, he, he weighs like 250. Yeah. He's pretty small for a lineman. I mean, he, he kind of reminds me of Jonah Williams. Yeah. And then the last game we're going to break down is number 12, Oregon versus number 3, Ohio State, in the horseshoe. And if Oregon wins any chance to pull the upset, they need Kayvon Thibodeau to be healthy for this game. That's just the bottom line. If Thibodeau's not healthy, they don't have a shot. Yeah, they're going to have to have some things to go their way, Terry, because uh, Ohio State's got Zach Harrison, Stroud, the receiver tandem of Olav and Garrett Wilson. Yeah, here's the left tackle. So, I mean, they are going to have to have a lot going on. I've been uh, arguing with a couple of people, uh, some analysts from other sides, saying they think Olave, I do too, he could be the first receiver taken in the draft. All right. Hold on just a second. Okay. All right, I'm back. Are you there? Yes. Okay. And, um, what do you think, uh, Oregon needs to do to win the football game. Yeah, uh, Oregon's going to be interesting because Oregon's got a lot of. Um, I think they have. Isn't CJ Verdell still on the team? And I think um, Penny Sewell's little brother's a linebacker on their defense. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's a he, he's a blues chip player too. They got a corner, I think, that could go Mikhail Wright, who's a second-round pick. So if Wright can limit what – if if Oregon's corner can limit one of the Ohio State receivers to under 100 yards and Verdell can run the ball, then I think Oregon's got a shot. That's the only shot they have. I think when Tyler Show transferred from Oregon to Texas Tech, that flushed their shot of beating Ohio State down the toilet. But if he was playing, this game would be a lot closer, and the point spread – I'm going to go Buckeyes 37, Ducks 24. 
I think that may have been the score of the Minnesota game. I see a similar score, but, yeah, you know. For a little while, uh, they did give Ohio State a scare. Yeah. Because if Show was playing, I think this game would be a one-score game, and it'd be one of those games where whoever had the ball last wins. Yeah, uh, their big test um, may be Penn State this year. Yeah, but since Tyler Show transferred, I don't think that's the case anymore. And Ohio State plays Akron in two weeks, but I know they play Oregon this week, and I think the Buckeyes win. What are some of the things you'd like to talk about briefly, like college or fantasy, before we sign off? Yeah, um, I could talk about some fantasy for uh, just a minute or two. Yeah, because it's worth the 84-minute mark. The longest I'm going to keep this podcast is 90 minutes. Okay, yeah. uh, Because we both have things uh, we need to do. Do you have any impact players you want to talk about in week one? Um, For fantasy, um. I don't really have any players in particular. I didn't really prepare for this segment as much as I probably should have, but I'll look up some yeah, of the fantasy I, players on my team. You can tell me how you um, – I went. I didn't go all out for the fantasy, but I know uh, my biggest winners for uh, fantasy week one is Josh Jacobs against uh, the Ravens and Austin Eckler. He's going to have a big day. Um, I'm I'm looking it up right now. I think jo- Josh Allen's going to have over 25 points. A, bit, a big day against Pittsburgh. Der- Derek Henry should have a really good game. Uh, Travis Kelsey, I I have him as one of my losers because he's going against Aluso, and I don't think he's going to get as much as everyone thinks he will because Aluso he can cover. Yeah, I I was give I I whenever I draft a running back in the first round, it always bites me. I mean, I took David Johnson and I still got Dalvin Cook in the second round two years ago. Then I was the keeper on Dalvin Cook last year when I made the championship, and I was I took a Joe Mixon in the first round. That so this year I was like, you know what? I'm taking a non-running back in the first round, whether it's Travis Kelce or Tyreek Hill, and Tyreek Hill fell to me as the person at seven picked Kels and Tyreek Hill fell to my lap. And since I used keepers on DeAndre Swift and um, Stephon Diggs this year, sixth and eighth round keepers, I was able to get Kels. I mean, I was able to get Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs on the same fantasy team as my one, two per receiver. Yeah. And uh, right now the biggest waiver wire, I can probably tell you the waiver wire pickups right now. Hold on just a second. I would think Levy and Bell might be one of the waiver wire pickups with Justice Hill getting injured. I'm looking right now to see. uh, Trying to find it. Elijah Moore is up there. He's going to be, he's one of the top waiver wire pickups uh, for uh, week one. He's the rookie for the Jets from Ole Miss, right? Yes, he is. He's the slot for them. Uh, I'm still trying to find the uh, the waiver wires. So, yeah, Mark dropped Cam Akers and he added Levy and Bell. Um, 
Yeah, Le'Veon Bell will be a good one. Um, if you have uh, if you don't have good Gus Edwards, he's definitely a good pickup. Yeah, he's a great pickup at this point. Um, a lot, a lot of quarterbacks are uh, good waiver wire. If you don't have Trevor Lawrence or Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ty, Ty, Tyrod Taylor is a good one. Yeah, I was able to get Fitzpatrick as my third QB because I drafted Lamar Jackson in round two. I got Ben Roethlisberger in round eight and then Fitzpatrick in round nine. I went for value because it's a two QB league that I'm in. So I was able to get those three QBs. They all have separate bye weeks for a two QB league. Yeah, uh, Trey, Trey Sermon would be really good for a, a dynasty league if you agree. Trey Sermon. Yep. He would be really good for uh, long term. Uh, hold on. One of the the backup for Alvin Kamara. His name is uh, Tony Jones Jr. He he's one of the top waiver wire pickups for a running back. Unfortunately, uh, New Orleans does do that two back system, so he is going to get some carries. Yep. Uh, for Tennessee, Jeremy McNichols, he's going to get some carries as well uh, to give Derrick Henry uh, a rest, and he's going to be the third down back. Yep. Justin Jackson from uh, the Chargers, he's going to get uh, some reps too, but from what I've heard, uh, they – are going to go with Austin Eckler for third down as well. He's going to get 100% of the snaps this year. Exactly. Eckler is going to make some things happen. There's a re- He fell to the third round in fantasy, and then at that point I was like, you know what, I've got to win this bidding war with Jason to get him because Eckler is too talented to fall to pick 26. That's a steal at that point. Yeah, um... If you have any, if you're looking for any rookies, J- Jalen Waddle, he's probably one of the top pickups for a, a rookie wide receiver. Yeah, because I traded up to eight in Dynasty. I gave up 12 and a 2022 first for eight and a 2023 first, and I was able to get Jalen Waddle at eight for a Dynasty team. And my friend, he had the number one, number two, and number nine picks. We traded 12, and we traded away Ronald Jones to get 12 and Tom Brady. Because we didn't have a quarterback. So now we got Brady, Najee Harris, Kyle Pitts, Jalen Waddell, um, Trey Lance, and Rashad Bates. And then we got Dwayne Eskridge at 33, the Seattle slot receiver. Yeah. Um, Darnell Mooney, he, he's going to be – I think he's going to be a rising star in the next two or three years. He's going to yeah. have a breakout year, and especially with uh, – Fields, he's definitely going to improve a lot, and he's going to go skyrocket up the boards for the next year or two. Yeah, um, I did say Elijah Moore and Terrence Marshall Jr. He's definitely going to be getting some uh, targets. He's about he's six three, so he's definitely going to be uh, a, a red zone target. Yeah, Th- third down, short. 
and uh, Houston, where they don't have a true number one other than Brandon Cooks, uh, Nico Collins. He played at Michigan. He's a bigger receiver, but uh, he's going to see some targets as well. Yeah. Do you have anybody in mind? I think Stephon Diggs versus Pittsburgh could have a big day. I mean, yeah, I personally have him. Yeah. I feel like Najee Harris may surprise some people in week two, but Chris Carson, the Colts have one of the better run defenses, so I could see why people are hesitant with uh, Carson. But as far as fantasy team defenses, I think the Ravens defense against the Raiders could be big this week. Um, They're on my team personally, but I don't really have any other uh, thoughts or suggestions other than the ones you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, I just threw uh, in a a couple because I wasn't prepared for it, but next week I will be, or a couple days from now, this weekend, I can run a full show right before Sunday comes. Yeah, I mean, depends on when you're available. We can... You can use tomorrow, maybe Thursday night, to gather some notes. Maybe we'll uh, talk about some players on Saturday because I know Saturday should the Thursday night game. Preview the Metropolitan Division, and then I'm going to read through the week, week one predictions I made with um, Joey and uh, Andrew on the podcast over on TalkShoe. But I'm guessing if you got some fantasy notes for Saturday morning, we can try to set something up then yeah i can get a cheat sheet for the for everybody yeah that would be great anything else we need to add before we sign off because it's been over 90 minutes and i feel like now is the ideal time to end the podcast do you have anything from any other sport um i don't have anything for mlb I'll give them everybody a quick mlb wild card race update because the mlb playoffs do start next month Um, so right now, as far as the standings go, the Tampa Bay Rays, Houston Astros, and Chicago White Sox lead their divisions. Um, the Atlanta Braves, the Milwaukee Brewers, and San Francisco Giants still lead their divisions. And then you have the Yankees and Red Sox with three game leads. Toronto Blue Jays are only three games back. The Mariners are only three games back. The Athletics are three and a half back. And the Cleveland Indians are eight and a half back. And then in the NL, you've got the Dodgers and Padres still. Reds are one game back. Phillies are two games back. Cardinals, three games. And then the Mets are four and a half games back for that those two wild card spots. But I don't really have anything as far as other sports go. Okay, yeah, I have one announcement, though. It's, it's NASCAR related. Is it about the playoffs? Because if you got that, take the lead. No, it's about uh, Kyle Busch. Uh, Kyle Busch was uh, fined $50,000 for his actions uh, following his records in Sunday's Southern 500 at Darlington. I can update the, the NASCAR point stands real quick, though, if you need me to. Uh, but, ba- but basically, Bush was cited for actions detrimental to stock car racing. It was basically a safety violation, a violation of NASCAR. Uh, it was under uh, a bunch of section rule in the rule book. Uh, it basically covers any violations deemed to compromise the safety of an event. I think he threw his helmet at another race car, and it hit one of the race cars, and it went on the track. 
and it busted the windshield on the drivers, which he could get suspended for that. Yep. But I can go over um, the NASCAR stands real quick. All right. As a matter of fact, uh, NASCAR is going to be in my hometown. I'm actually work, working the race in the suites uh, at Bristol. I think it's in two weeks. They come to Bristol the 18th. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I work it every year, and it's pretty pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds pretty sweet. I've never been. Yeah, to I met I, I met Michael Walt Waltrip last year or last spring. He was in. I work in the the Chevrolet suite, and he was in there. Yep. Okay. Uh, the 2021 uh, Cup Series. Uh, Kyle Larson has a. Uh, 2,106 points. He has five wins and 15 top fives. Um, Denny Hamlin is second with 2,072 points, one win and 14 top fives. Martin Truex Jr. is third with 2,062 points, three wins and nine top fives. Kyle Busch, he, he got ducked 50 points, though. He would have been in second if not for that. But – he has 2,052 points, one wins, and four top fives. I think if you win a race, you're guaranteed at least a spot as long as you're in the top 20, I think. Yep. Uh, fifth is Ryan Blaney, uh, 2,048 points, three wins, eight top fives. Sixth is Joey Logano. 2047, one win, eight top fives. Seventh is Kevin Harvick, 2046 points, zero wins, and seven top fives. Eighth is Brad Kozlowski, 2038 points, one win, and seven top fives. Number nine is Christopher Bell, 2031 points, one win, and four top fives. Tenth is Chase Elliott, two thousand thirty points, two wins, eleven top fives. Eleventh uh, is Eric Amarola. Um, hold on a second. All right, Eric Amarola, two thousand twenty-nine points, one win, two top fives. Twelfth is Tyler Reddick. 2,026 points, zero wins, and two top fives. Um, and it's the top 12, correct? Yep. Uh, just outside the top 12 is Alex Bowman. He is... He, he is actually tied, but based upon uh, the points and top fives, he is in 13th, but they're basically tied. So, whoever comes in ahead of each other in the next race is basically going to take 12th and on. Kurt Busch is 14th, two points behind 12th place. The only good, good thing about that is he has two wins. So, I think if he had the same points as they did, he would get, be ahead of them. Yeah. Uh, William Byron. 
he has 2017, which is nine points behind. It's a pretty close race. Yeah. Nine nine points behind. He does have a win in nine nine top fives. Michael McDowell has 2,006 points, which is 20 points behind. He does have a win, though, so he would be guaranteed a spot, I think. I think you only got to be top 20 and have a win to at least be in it. Yep. 17th is Austin Dillon, and it's not close. He only has 713 points, so basically 16th to 12th only have a shot. Which, that's a huge uh, drop-off. I think uh, the playoffs has already started, hasn't it? Yeah. That's that's why it's like that. Mm-hmm. Have they ran a race yet for the Cup? I'm not sure. I think the first race may have been last Sunday. I know they're going to have another um, the NASCAR playoffs. I'll look up that up right now because I think – the NASCAR playoffs were set. Um, All right, I'm going to look right now. Yeah, it says Denny Hamlin holds off Larson at Darlington, opens playoffs with Southern 500 victory. So the, the first one was Sunday, which was yeah two and a half days ago or something like that. Yeah, and Kyle Larson getting his fifth win of the year, I think, allowed him to remain in first place in his point standings. Yeah. Um, Right now, I'm looking to see uh, the next race. Okay, I see it now. All right. The next race is going to be the round of 16. It's going to be that was Darlington. Uh, the next one's going to be at, at, at Richmond on September 11th, and then on September 18th, it's going to be the Bass Pro Shops NRA Night Race at Bristol, which that's that's where I live. Yeah. So since Kyle Larson won the first playoff race, does that mean he's automatically in the round of 12 since he won that race? He didn't win it. I think didn't he? Ham one did. But on but if you win a race, you you automatically advance. If you're I'm in the sure. playoff. Yeah. Yeah. Danny Hamlin holds off Larson at Darlington, so Larson's still the leader, but Denny Hamlin, um, he should be have a a thing that says advanced. Because they they reward you for winning. Yeah, because ESPN now is Denny Hamlin at one, and they have, uh, wait, they have Kyle Larson with more points. But because Denny Hamlin won a playoff race, I think he's in the next round. Yep. And unlike last spring, they, they had the dirt race. Yeah, so Hamlin's in the round of 12, I believe. Yep, I mean, uh, and the great thing about Bristol is uh, when that does come, I can go live there. Yeah, that would be sick, like the race. Yeah, I, I can go live for most of it. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he'll have, by live, do you mean like on this podcast or do you mean like on Facebook Live, like posting? Yeah, like like on Facebook Live. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because that would be cool to see some of the stuff you're doing there on Facebook Live. Yeah, and you would see what I see, and it's a pretty good picture. It's in the suites at one of the levels, and it costs a lot of money to get in there. Yeah, I bet. It's very nice. Sounds lovely. Yeah, it's definitely a good experience. People come all over the world to to go to Bristol. Yep. It's one of the great tracks. That's where uh, Tennessee played uh, Virginia Tech, and they had the the biggest game ever. Yep. Yep, is there anything else that you can think of uh, that you want to... I did see a fantasy trade proposal. It involves Marquise Brown for Rob Gronkowski and Miles Gaskin. We could go over that proposal really quickly. But other than that, I don't really – it was like a fan question I got. Like, Miles Gaskin, if I've been offered uh, Miles Gaskin and Gronkowski for Marquez Brown, that was the fan request question. Um, yeah, it all depends. Are you talking about Caper? Are you talking about just yearly? Just a yearly PPR league. That sounds about fair. If it was a Caper, obviously Rob Gronkowski's stock is down because he ain't going to be playing much longer. Yeah. I would recommend uh, taking that trade if you're on the other end. Because Marcus Brown, he's going to mature as a receiver. Yep. I always considered him like a, Ty- a Tyreek Hill kind of speed guy. But I guess that's why everyone loves J- Jalen Waddle so much. He-, he reminds everybody of him so much. I always yeah. thought J- Jalen Waddle would be a superstar. Yeah, so there's no question Jalen Waddle should be a superstar. So this trade for Marquez Brown, it's fair. I don't have anything else to discuss tonight as far as notes go, but I'm sure we'll have lots of things and topics to discuss as the NFL season unfolds. Yeah, we got a lot done tonight, and I feel like we covered all the NFL, so that's done with. Yeah. uh, If we can cover college maybe tomorrow or the next day. Yeah, I mean, there's some other college games. I'm not opposed to doing a Thursday show where we just talk about the college games and break them down and maybe talk about players with draft implications in the games. But if we can't do that, at least we got the NFL done. So thanks for coming on, Wes. And I'm going to have this podcast up on social media in just a few minutes. So you can, I'm going to promote it. You can choose whether or not to promote it depending on your time, but I'm definitely going to post it in some groups. Yeah, I'll have to uh, video record it. Last time it blocked me. Yeah. Or I can do something like a video or something like that. Yeah. Like a preview video with the podcast. And then just if you want to listen to the like a 30-second video where you talk about some of the things you're covering on the podcast, and then yeah, it gives people below a if you want to listen to the whole podcast. That's something you could do, too. Yeah, the good thing is it gives people a sneak peek, and yeah. it makes them want to listen to more. Yeah, definitely. And we definitely cover everything you could think yeah. of in the NFL, even a little bit of NASCAR. 
which that's yeah. I, I love NASCAR. If you didn't know that, I mean five main sports I cover: NFL, NHL, NBA, MLS, and MLB. But I think the MLS playoffs aren't until next month, and the MLB playoffs aren't until next month. So mainly for September, it's mainly going to be just football. Yeah, uh, NASCAR. I don't really care care for their playoff system. I prefer the old way. Yep. You basically get punished for having a good season, basically. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, uh, that basically wraps it up, and uh, we'll definitely discuss uh, what we're going to do tomorrow or Friday. Yeah, sounds good. But this podcast will be available. I'll have it up on Facebook in just a few minutes. So Yeah, and uh, do you have it on Spotify yet? Every podcast we do on Anchor automatically gets uploaded to Spotify. So I can just send you the link through Spotify instead of the link through Anchor. I mean, yeah, that, that that's fine. All right. All right, I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Thanks for coming on. This All right, is this edition of Draftytopia. We'll be back next week or later this week, depending on Wes's schedule. So long.